I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing... Flow by... Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. <laughs> it's me hi, chick sent me hi. There we go. I, I, I got a monomic to remember it by. So imagine oh, a, a girl gives you some drugs. It's like, me hi, chick sent me hi. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just, I just like broke it down bit by bit. Anyway, we, we, made, the effort to, we made the effort to learn how it's pronounced and we both well, I did. <laughs> I did as well. <laughs> it took me ages to write it down. um all right so here we are talking about flow um i read this uh, over the last couple of weeks and i'm really really grateful you recommended it to me it's uh it was a really fantastic fantastic book well written covered a lot of different areas and just has a really good theme that i think is really um relevant particular to areas of um work and um leisure as well you know how you spend your time and where you invest your energies and um how to gather um how to to, have optimal experiences throughout your life um based on flow yeah i like i think this feels like we've done a three-part series on like the happiness trap waking up and this they they all have a similar theme of like consciousness and its contents and like changing your subjective life rather than changing stuff around you to make you happier. Mm. Yeah. He talks about um, that a lot that we can, we can't rely on external things to give us some um, psychological continuity um, yeah. to give us um, for our consciousness to be balanced. He talks about, um, but he also talks a bit about um, having too much focus on the self and not on the outside world can be to your detriment as well being um too too self-centered he calls it yeah well let's um let's try and hash out what flow is because part of it is like losing a sense of yourself isn't it like when you're so immersed in something that you're not self-conscious in any way because you're so focused on what you're doing Hmm. that's one of the sides of it yeah i I get i can i'll read out his definition then maybe we can just um expand it after that so he says um yeah, flows based on the con- uh, the concept of optimal experience. Uh, when a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile, and he describes that um, as an optimal state of inner experience where there's order in consciousness, and when our attention is invested in realistic goals, when skills match the opportunities for action and challenge. Yeah. That's been um, my common understanding of flow, um, as um, as I previously knew, was that it was a lot about um, when a situation matches your, the skill level and the challenge are at this um, at this meeting point when you're doing a task that's difficult enough that it's pushing you and encouraging you to go along, yeah. but also it's not so far out of your depth skill wise for you to enjoy it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess if it's if the the challenge is too easy, you'll become bored and, and you'll, you'll lose focus and think about other things. Yeah. And if the challenge is too difficult or way out of your depth, yeah. Um, in one of his five different tennis analogies, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you, you just become anxious, and um, you, you, it may encourage you. You to, probably just want to give, to give up, up, right? 
yeah, yeah to, to give up. So I think that's just challenging enough. It like maintains your attention uh, such that yes. you're not thinking about anything else, but you're still feeling competent in what you're doing. And that's my, that was my typical understanding. But I guess he expands on it in the sense of um, bringing order to consciousness, that when we're doing things that we, we enjoy and that we're so immersed in, yeah. that is good for us psychologically. That there, there's, there's, yeah, there's balance to be yeah. had. There's, um, there were like eight components he talked about. What I've got written down here. So one is the eight uh, elements of enjoyment. Yeah. So one, one. I'll go through them. So there's what we're doing is something we could complete in theory. Like that, that's part of it. Um, it takes our full concentration. Yeah. The goal itself is clear and then we're getting immediate feedback so we can tell whether we're on track or not yeah and then i've got this uh deep effortless involvement so Mm. yeah the concentration is such that you're not thinking about anything else but it's not a struggle either you're just you've reached a point where you couldn't not be thinking about this thing like if you're mid rock climb you're not gonna you're not no you're no longer needing to focus your attention because it's just zoned in yes yeah um you've got control over your own actions yeah and then the last two are my favorite <laughs> so um the sense of self disappears so this ties into a lot of what we talked about last time with waking yeah, up yeah waking up yeah and then number 8 the sense of time can alter so either mm-hmm. time feels like it goes so much faster or it goes feels like it goes so much slower. But either way, like your normal sense of clock time changes. Mm. I think that that's really good. You, um, yeah, you, put, you just put those in. That, they're, they're the eight elements of enjoyment. And I think what he talks about is that um, for a task to be enjoyable, that's when you're you're learning something or there's a change to be had where a simple pleasure, pleasurable activities don't stimulate us in a way that we're growing. Whereas a big element of flow has the elements of enjoyment in it that there's yeah growth to be had. There's a challenge to be faced compared with, he's basically saying you can't be in flow when you're watching like just rubbish television mm. because that, that's not um, extending you psychologically. You're not being pushed to expand your, yeah, your sense of yeah. self and yeah, and you're not directing your awareness to one of those things. Like, there's not there's not necessarily a skill involved in that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing to push yourself towards. Yeah, yeah, because it's subjective experience. He, there's not really any. You can point to tasks which you might say are more likely or not to induce flow. So like you say, watching TV is probably that you're least likely to experience flow and maybe like playing a sport, you're more likely to. But because it's about subjective experience, there's no hard and fast of of what objective thing you could be doing. Like like if you were watching Countdown (laughs) and you were really following through and doing the sums and like you could be experiencing a strong sense of flow from engaging your skills in that moment. Mm. Um, and equally, you could be having a game of tennis and just be like not really caring, be wondering about something else. Or um, So it's, there's no like these tasks are flow-inducing, these aren't, but you, you can kind of get a feel for what's more likely to do it for you. 
Yeah, and he says there's um, like four main conditions of flow. Um, one is that it's a structured activity. The other one that there's a sense of discovery that I touched on earlier. Um, that it's a challenge which involves a skill, and um, that it's created by the self. And I think what he means by created by the self is that you've you've like directed your attention towards it. There's some intention that you want to participate in this because right. it's something that you enjoy um yeah and he said you know a lot of that is around like seeking opportunities to do things that you enjoy and you know you're you're focused on like the relationship you have with the activity you're doing yeah as well do you um what, what do you think of those conditions of flow do they seem to make make sense to you and do they ring ring true did you say the second one's discovery a sense of discovery. What do yeah. you mean, what do you reckon that means, or what does that mean to you? I think that's where you're. To, well, to me, it means that you're you're learning something new, or you're breaking new ground. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Whether that, I mean, there could be examples of, uh, you know, I guess for tennis or something that you're <laughs> you're improving, you're improving the way you're hitting the ball, like you're getting better, right. the intensities higher than the time before. So. Um, you know, like the one percenter, like you're, you're getting better at something one, one percent, or in, even in terms of discovery, just simply learning something about yourself or about a new um, topic of interest. Whereas if you're not learning anything new, you, I don't think you could be in that flow state. It's, yeah, it reminds me of what you talked about, like personal growth. It's like mm. in these states you do you lose a sense of yourself in these moments but then after the moment's done your sense of self has grown and it's kind of like you need to get out of yourself to grow yourself yeah that's so true that's that he says that doesn't he in the um, beginning chapters that it, it strengthens the self to be in flow state yeah, yeah so it's not a yeah even though you may lose that sense of self like you go back a lot stronger so what he says the self is um made up of is your your memories your hierarchy of goals your desires that you've built up over the years what's important to you and that um i suppose what we talked about last last week about psychological continuity yeah um yeah i suppose if you have a a strong sense of psychological continuity and there's a um an inbuilt way that you do things and your beliefs and what's important to you even though that may be just an appearance in consciousness it still is like the self that you're working towards growing. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting. Well, I think we talked about that. Um, sorry to, uh, to go on, but like with, with habits as well, simply like yeah. you have to immerse yourself in something to establish it and then to, um, to integrate it afterwards. So I think yeah. that that ties in a lot here as well, that to, to strengthen the self, to improve yourself and to get growth. You have to kind of step out of yourself, push yeah. yourself in new areas, get into the flow yeah. state, and then yeah. bring that bring that back to that sense of self. Reintegrate yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're feeling self conscious and you're within the bounds of your ego, you're like less likely as well to grow from that place. I think that's I in reading that that seemed really really true to me. I, I especially. Thinking about distractions as well, you know, when I'm doing a meaningful activity and I'm trying to push myself and learn, if there's too many distractions, that can take my uh, take my mind away from the actual learning opportunity in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Cool. 
I reckon I'd love to know some uh, experiences that you've had that like you relate to this flow state. Like when, yeah, okay. as, as, as I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh yeah, I've had that feeling doing this and this and this. Like, did that happen mm. to you? Okay, I'll give you, um, I'll give you two examples, um, yeah. two in different arenas. So one I can think of in particular is um, in playing football, uh, yeah. soccer over here. Um, and I was, uh, I remember being on, I was running down the wing and I remember striking this ball in for a cross. And I just remember having this, experience i think it was leading up to this moment that built into it that i was really immersed in the game uh, you know i think we might it might have been nil nil at the time there was a lot to play for i think it was my final game as well um before i moved away for a bit but any, anyway um, i was just really really immersed in the game it was a challenge the team we were playing was difficult and i remember like going to strike the ball and just having this feeling of just total flow but i was just totally immersed in the game i remember striking the ball but not really feeling like it was me who was striking the ball i definitely can relate to that loss of self when striking the ball and it was just a really um expansive experience i was the cross oh it went (laughs) it it went in the top corner Uh, (laughs) so i told everyone i told everyone it was a shot it was from the (laughs) sideline afterwards i apologized to the keeper after the game i was like i'm really sorry i refused to celebrate it was too much of a fluke (laughs) but anyway I, i think it was just um i think across that game in particular and i find in sport in general because i'm really like amped up and fired up and enjoying it but also enjoying the challenge of it as well i had to exert myself um so that that's one example within sport and i think that happens a lot when i'm playing indoor or whatever and then another experience um i get a lot and particularly in my current workplace is um yeah i just guess at fast-paced workplaces where there's a lot to do i'm using my skill set um, there's a lot of different people to talk to, so I'm kind of like bouncing around the place. And I can find sometimes it can get to like two in the afternoon and I haven't. It's almost like there was no distractions. I was just totally in the zone, totally in the flow. And in particular around like it's a it's a challenging workplace to be. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of things that involve, you know, a lot of mental effort, planning, thinking, communicating. Yeah. When I catch myself in that zone, um, it's kind of a nice feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm really in the flow today. And I guess for yeah. me, I, I always describe that as um, I'm feeling purposeful at work. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not kind of waiting for the day to happen. It's already just, it's flowing, it's going. So I get get the day going and I can often get into flow states for about at least three to four hours at work where I'm just yeah. really immersed in what I've got to do. That's a good example of where these, um, I don't know what you call them, rules or bounds are sort of, they're subjective because with your work, there's no um, objective end goal, right? It like you could do that job indefinitely, <laughs> and it, yeah. it, it, unfortunately, it will always need to be done. But so, in terms of the first one, where it's like a task we could complete, like you're never going to finish the job. <laughs> but, yeah. but in your own mind, I imagine there are plenty of things to finish in and of themselves, which like that's it, yeah, subjectively experience as um reaching goals well i mean the um the i'm just trying to think how to describe it like the the process is a 
an ends in itself. It's yeah. not like there's a, as you say, like an end point, like in doing, I'm naturally enjoying doing it without having to necessarily achieve one big final thing at the end of the day. Well, I think that's kind of the paradox of what he's talking about is that, that the point is the journey, but, but having a destination helps define the terms of the journey in the first place. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know if you've, um, like really enjoyed long haul flights, but there's like, I, I do. And, uh, But if you were just flying in indefinitely and you didn't know where you were going <laughs> and you didn't know how long it was going to last, you'd probably feel quite anxious. But because mm. you know where you're going and roughly how long it's going to be, you can sort of enjoy just being in that journey. Um, uh, that, that actually leads um, uh, on just to think about how I often feel a lot more relaxed and enjoy my time and get in flow states a lot more when I know um, I have, I don't know, maybe this is contrary to what you were saying, but when I know I've got a lot longer to do something, if I'm yeah. time pressured, it's a lot more difficult for me to get into flow. Yeah. Into, into flow state. So I imagine you may get this a bit with um, maybe your work schedule. Sometimes it's a bit all over the place. and You're trying to get tasks done by lunchtime before you see a client after lunch or something. I'm wondering whether um, that acts as a barrier to you getting into flow states with the other projects you're doing or not. Yeah, I guess he doesn't talk about objective time, does he? He he talks more about just, just the end point and it takes however long it takes sort of thing. Um, And yeah, if you were to have a deadline, then I could see, yeah, that that increases that could increase anxiety such that it goes towards the out of the flow state and into that more chaos mm. state of things. Then, if you've got no time frame at all, you probably not end up getting as much done. I think that's quite common for some people. I think that's true, and I definitely relate to that. <laughs> um, but but I think that's when how do I put it? He talks about, like, he refers to Freud and talks about the id, which are your sort of biological drives, which aren't necessarily mm. connected to reality. Like, mm. and um, so, for example, you might just really want food right now, but you might be five miles away from the supermarket yet. And yeah. your body's like, I don't want to wait, but you just kind of have to. And, um, and then the other side of, uh, is the superego where you've got all these like social constraints and social rules and and expectations from others. And he, he talks about, doesn't he, wh- whether your goals are like internally driven or externally pressured onto you. Yeah. And I think when you feel that sense of, oh, I, I'm not doing this for me, but I'm doing it to meet expectations of like the superego then you're probably more likely to procrastinate and put things off. Whereas if they're internally driven, you just want to do them. Well, that, that, that comes to his definition of um, flow state, isn't it? It's like you're, you're voluntarily um, you know, going into an experience. Like it's something you've chosen to do for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's difficult to get into flow unless it is um, internally motivated. Yeah. But like you can feel like it's, 
externally motivated even if it isn't like so if you have this so like no one might be pressuring you actually to do something like a task but you feel like you should <laughs> uh just because you the, you're like criticizing yourself for not doing it or something and if like the your experience is that it's external rather than internally motivated even though there's actually no one now saying oh you have to do this it, it's just like the societal blueprint is so embedded that you feel like there are these shoulds yeah and if you don't kind of make up your own mind you're just going to be going with the the flow of whatever culture you're living in mm. Well, what are some um, what are some experiences you have of flow? I'd love to love to hear yours. Yeah, definitely relate to the football one, where it's just like yeah. whatever's going on. As soon as you get into a match, then it's all you think about. Like, there's no way. Yeah, it just the idea of sort of daydreaming or thinking about other things whilst being in a football match is sort of inconceivable. Um, yeah, we, we played a fair it. bit of football. <laughs> No, yeah. I just get so excited. Just my, my mind jumps back to us playing football for Montague and Ogcombe and yeah. games that yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then I mentioned to you the other day when we used to play tennis, like oh, in the summers, so we're experiencing this like constant skill improvement, and and yeah, there, there are times then where where like it would be getting dark and we would have just been there for hours, mm. and. You know, we've not we've not really eaten. And you, just, <laughs> you just don't really think about it. You might have brought a banana or something, but like you could have skipped two meals by the end of it, and you're still yeah, wanting yeah. to keep going. We played tennis for like seven hours, <laughs> like <laughs> summer's day. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. Yeah, I not even. Yeah, I, I think we reflected a bit on um, how, but by the end of it, you're you're getting better and you're learning skills sometimes without even knowing it either. Yeah. Like, I'm not by any means saying that we were, like, expert tennis players, but we played some, like... I remember the beginning of every single summer, we'd, <laughs> we'd be both awful. be pretty... <laughs> we'd be awful. Oh, it was horrible. And then, like, by the end, like, I think what I reflect on, I was just, like, we're just doing, like, these 20-shot topspin rallies. It's, like, like yeah. three weeks ago, that we were just trash. We were yeah. rubbish. <laughs> That's a yeah. good example. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And when it's shared with someone else as well, like that's nice, like a shared, yeah, yeah, shared sense of that. I think that's something um, he does get into, but it's worth pointing out, like a shared flow activity is it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're both flow. like feeling one another improve. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Tennis is a great example because, like, your your skill is. Yeah, you're feeling them improve by the way the balls hit back at you. Yeah. And you've got yeah. to respond. It's just like such a to and fro thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a yeah. good example of that, like when it's just outside, you know, it's a little bit more than your skill level that you have to up your game. But yeah, not so yeah. much that um you know, we were equal enough that it was never like um pointless, like one's just thrashing the other or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had that a bit um I play people at tennis who are just way better than me and it's really yeah. difficult. Like, yeah. I suppose you could like reframe the goal. It's like, oh, you know, I'll get one, one set against this person out of seven or something. I don't know. But like in general, like our games were really, really close as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, from, from memory, like it, there was, there was never like one person was just absolutely rinse in the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I was just wondering, have you got any um, non-sport related examples? Yeah, I've got a few. So last year I did this teaching qualification and the way it was like, I did it remotely and the way it was broken down, it was in like 14 assignments. And each of these assignments you could probably knock out in a few hours. So mm. I would like head to Costa with my, with my booklet and I'd, I'd open that task for the day and, and I'd just give myself the afternoon and just know that like, well, my, my task today is to hand in this assignment. And yeah. I mean, there wasn't a, there wasn't a stressful deadline in, in the sense that I could do it when I wanted, but I gave myself just, you know, well, just do it by the end of the day. And yeah, I, I yeah, got, that's nice. it was really nice because I started it as, um, initially like just a hoop jumping exercise. Like I just want the bit of paper, but then it's yeah. like you, it, you read this information, you apply it to yourself and you write a little essay and it's actually, yeah, I, I really got immersed into it, really enjoyed it. And, yeah, kind nice. of missed it when I when I finished it. <laughs> you do get that with assignments sometimes, don't you? Where even necessary, even if it might not be the most enjoyable thing to write about. Um, I'm not necessarily saying this with your one, but I've done it before at uni where I've had essays or reports to do. Where like maybe I'm not that interested in the topic, but what I've chosen to do is reframe it, like immerse myself in it. So yeah. I guess you don't necessarily have to like. I enjoy studying and I enjoy producing um, a task. I enjoy the challenge of trying to get it done as quick as possible on <laughs> the deadline. So I suppose not every element of it needs to be enjoyable, but I remember like getting really involved in um, written tasks for uni. You can get really immersed in the subject. And yeah, I know you've spoken to me a few times about when you've gotten reading, you've kind of, um, diverted and started reading off on this book and then you mm. start reading this book and getting this information you just get totally immersed in it and then you yeah you almost like forget where you started yeah 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 which <laughs> is really fun if it's just for yourself but like yeah if you if you're supposed to be writing an assignment and you're like you've just gone way off track <laughs> and it can be yeah yeah well, i guess that's where having um having clear goals with that helps as well yeah. um uh i think he, he talks about the um what he calls the autotelic self, yeah, which is a self that has self-contained goals within it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I get that there are three parts to that. Um, one of them is setting goals. So that's linked to like challenges, um, responsibility as well. Like you, you are choosing to embark on this goal, embark on this challenge. And then within that as well, he talks about, you know, um, consistently working towards it but also being flexible as well when the goal isn't working for you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's kind of uh, like um adapting your goals to reality right yeah and i liked that i, I think that was good because sometimes um so I've, i know i've um cut off one of your examples you were giving a bit but um it, it gets me thinking about sometimes when i can be so um overly driven by a goal and I'm, I'm too rigid with it whereas actually like it's um it's it's good to be able to assess your goals throughout and be flexible and change them and not be so not hold yourself so tightly to them yeah. all the results yeah 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 and i think that uh jumping around a lot but that kind of ref That's um, resonates with the end of the book in terms of like values and meaning because it's like if your goal is um 
I don't know, to get to the supermarket before four o'clock when it closes, like you might be really frustrated if there's a traffic jam. But like if if you're connecting it to your wider value of like having a nice meal with your family tonight, then Mm. getting to that specific supermarket at that particular time isn't as important and you can adapt yourself to, well, maybe we've got something in the fridge we can create together or go on a picnic or we can change what we're doing because the, the specific goal wasn't the important thing, but it was like the wider meaning it's connected to. Mm. And he talks about the, like having a a wider sense of flow as well, like a constant flow. So you're, and that's the bit I really enjoyed. Um, It is linked to goals. I'll go back to the other two parts, the auto telling, (laughs) but um, having that, um, having unified, goals and i know that's something you'd you'd worked on recently i'm feeling quite inspired to um i suppose have overall goals so all these sub goals and all these enjoyable and flow activities are kind of are towards something as well because they say you know you're um just trying to tie something you said they say like you get reading and you just start like diverting off on all these other books and obtaining all this information yeah if that's not for, I mean, that's good in itself. That's interesting. You're learning. If that's not for a greater good, let's say you weren't interested in becoming a more educated person or, um, you know, you're, you might want to do some writing or it's informing your practice um, at the moment. If it's not towards that, then it could be viewed as, don't want to say waste of time, but it's not serving your, your greater unified goal. Yeah, I was kind of thinking something when he was talking about um, TV, because the book was written in the 80s, right? So he doesn't really talk about social media and phones. (laughs) He's he's like, technology is getting better. Yeah, it's funny the way he talks about it. He talks about (laughs) fax machines and stuff. It's like, oh, we're good. (laughs) Because I can imagine people really getting into flow states on video games. Mm. But, But I guess I've had this, you know, I haven't played for years but like i remember when i was a, a younger and i was lots of playing pokemon on my on my game boy for hours and it's like it might feel awesome in it but then you kind of feel a bit bad for it afterwards yeah you feel a bit dirty you're just like oh i just waste <laughs> all that time and you go outside in the sun yeah but i would definitely I think say i was in flow state during it mm. so so there's i think you can experience flow, but then sort of, yeah, it not be connected to your wider meaning or purpose. And it can be more of a distraction than adding yeah. to your life. I think this is um, something I really wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> so to divert even further, um, <laughs> the, he talks about what, what you do in your leisure time. And that's yeah. a perfect example. Like sometimes, you know, choosing to relax and let your body rest is obviously what's needed and if you're consciously doing that yeah, that's yeah. um that, that's fine but i suppose things like um tv and video games and stuff i know i, I was the same we, we'd play like pez for like four or five hours <laughs> when we sometimes ridiculous and it's it's not necessarily like time wasted but i suppose the questions you want to be asking yourself is are you consciously doing that or are you just like going home and just turning on the tv and that's it the night is that yeah. purposeful or is there something you could be doing in your leisure time that one probably induces a more 
genuine flow state made out of those eight elements of enjoyment, you know, that it is challenging, it requires a skill, um, that you are bringing your awareness to it, that you lose that sense of self. You could definitely um, make the case that video games could yeah. do that for people, but it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's hard, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like feel like we're picking on video games. or TV. No, I, I mean, I'm genuinely no, no, yeah. sure. Well, some people like that's their, their job. It might be like a, a games creator or something and they yeah, like yeah. They need to play. But I guess the, the point is, um, I guess in particular to TV, like how often do we just like slump in front of entertainment or technology? And he's basically like, every movie and every tv story it's the same story it's the same characters it doesn't really doesn't require us to think so yeah that, that was something that stood out to me that um i guess just making me think about how i use my leisure time and what are my yeah. goals around my leisure time often they involve um i suppose exercise and reading yeah but then other than that you know what is it is it um you know if i'm going to be on my phone am i using it to make a a genuine call to someone i love you know or am i just fucking around on facebook mm. or something you know like what do we yeah it, put, it puts the pressure on what, what are your thoughts on how we achieve flow in leisure in relation to kind of wider goals well i liked what he talked about um cultural relativism and that how i guess since maybe the last century and um people having more of a a relative view of morality like there's no real right or wrong different cultures are equally valid in what they do and mm. you know if, if some culture does this and a, another culture thinks it's wrong it's it's all relative you know <laughs> and i kind of like how he's like that <laughs> like there are, yeah. <laughs> there are definitely cultures that like foster more happiness than others in the mm. um habits and principles and practices they adopt and in that sense we can say that they are better because the people yeah, are happier yeah. and like and societies <laughs> that induce more flow states among their members um yeah you, know, you can never call them a post- yeah nice you can never call them a postmodernist, could you no <laughs> <laughs> no no but that is true i think it's um and also i guess it's looking at like what works for you um yeah as a person, like what, what standards do you set yourself to and what, what conditions induce flow for you? And I get something else that leads, actually, I'll let you answer the, um, the question on leisure first before I move on to ask it again, (laughs) ask it again. Um, Yeah. I guess like what, what what do you think about, um, his view on how we spend our leisure time and how that can, um, uh, move us closer towards our, um, greater unified goal of constant flow that he talks about yeah no i definitely relate to um like we've talked about if i were to spend an afternoon playing tennis or having a football match or maybe um when back in the day when i used to do more songwriting there there are definitely Mm. times where it's like you come out the back of the day feeling better for what you've done than other days if I were to just watch TV or times where I did use social media more and just sort of flicked through it. You, yeah. you kind of come out of it feeling a bit grim and a bit dirty. <laughs> and um, That's why structured sport's so good, isn't it? You yeah. know, when we were, t- I know over here I've had moments where I've trained twice a week and played every weekend yeah. for three quarters of the year. Like, I'll never feel like a Saturday morning's been wasted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it takes... 
I guess there's an initial um, obstacle you have to sort of push through to get to the, the, the good stuff. So it's like the idea okay. of, you know, putting on your sports clothes, getting in your car or on your bike or whatever. And when it's a bit raining outside and you've got, you've got a match, but you're sort of committed to it. It's like, ah, oh, do I really want to play today? Yeah. But then you kind of, you do feel better for it. And you, once you get into it, like, it's actually maybe only the first five minutes you you walked outside in your shorts and it was raining that you're uncomfortable. But once the whistle mm. went and you kicked off for an hour and a half, you were just Reminds you why. in the piss and rain and you didn't notice. Yeah. You were just in it. It's mm. sort of similar, like with this, I guess, with our podcast. It's you know we might have times where the first five or ten minutes were sort of like trying to get through that anxiety barrier of getting something going. But then you kind of trying find to explain the, the concepts, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then we get into then, it a bit, and suddenly you, you, you're in flow, and it's. But the activities like watching TV or scrolling on social media don't have that initial obstacle to overcome, so they're easier to slip uh, into. Yeah, great point. Yeah, I like that. You, you can just press a button, or <laughs> or something. Well, they seem a le- they seem like less of a conscious choice as well, don't they? Like whereas yeah. with as you're saying, like with um, putting on the clothes to go outside to play football or getting yeah. your tennis gear, that like there's a process, there's a there's like a ritual around it that you're yeah. honouring for the the greater good. You know that by the end of the week, like if I've done this, if I've gone out for a run, even if it's in the rain five times, I'm going to be feeling better about myself. Yeah, but for a whole multitude of reasons, that's a really good point though. That like some of those, I guess those activities that require. Um, I guess if they're less like you have to overcome inertia, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're more like some of them are more intentional. Where like for different people, some things would be more or less intentional. Like for some people, going to a social event might be the most like brainless, um, effortless thing they have to do. Whereas for some people, that's really pushing themselves out there. Yeah, and trying to put themselves into. Um, a challenging environment so i guess that's where it is different and that's what we're talking about yeah yeah um, yeah he talked about that didn't he like the different mm. types of socializing he he painted a picture of like guys go down to the local pub or whatever and just shooting the shit like the same old shit they talked about the day before yeah. and how they got pissed and w- where yeah. it's no there's no challenge and comparing it to yeah maybe conversations where you are pushing the boundaries of either your knowledge or yourself or yeah yeah or your social anxiety or whatever it is like where you're you're growing but from the outside it could look like a very similar activity so it's completely mm-hmm. down to it's like you've got to trust yourself whether you know you're in that place or not yeah i found that a bit quite inspiring as well around conversation it made me want to be a bit more open to chatting to new people yeah. and like i can challenge myself and get into a flow talking to new people rather than just having the same conversations with the same people. I suppose yeah. uh, never been one for small talk, but it's uh, it's interesting when a small talk situation presents itself and you can, I suppose, rise above it and try and challenge the conversation for both of you and ask some, I suppose, more difficult questions or um, yeah. take more of an active interest and push yourself that way. Yeah. And often yeah. you feel a lot better afterwards because you might learn something about some, someone you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you were in the middle of the um, of of a few points. Yeah, so I'll bring I'll bring it back. So auto tell itself. <laughs> yeah. So what we've done, we we've spoken about the um, 
autotelic self, which is a self that has uh, self-centered goals. And there's three parts to that. Um, the first one is setting goals, which we've spoken about okay. um, in depth and a couple of detours. And the second part of that is becoming immersed in an activity. So right. I guess the two bits I want to bring up about this is, one, again, becoming immersed is something often happens when you're, when the challenge and the skill level meet each other in the middle. So you're being pushed. The challenge is hard enough for you to stay interested. It's not so easy that you become disinterested. Yeah. And then within this is there's um, minimal distractions as well. And what he says is there's no distractions from the self. So you're engaged yeah. in activity, but it's not you narrating it or yeah. not. I can think of I can think of football games where I've been overthinking. I'm kind of like narrating my play or yeah, yeah. Thinking like I'm going to kick this ball now or whatever. Oh, sorry, it. yeah, I'm no, I've jumped in there. That's, that a good, that's a good yeah. example for me. Yeah, where um, like I I often played as a striker and I would always score a lot of goals, but I would always miss miss quite a few as well. And I think yeah. the dif- you've just nailed the difference where it's like when you're one-on-one with the keeper, if you've like just come off the back shoulder of the defender and the ball's just in front of you and, and you just have to like decide then mm. like exactly, there's no time to think. You either shoot, you knock it around him, mm. then I would usually score. But like... If I'd outrun the, the thing. if oh. I outrun the back defender by like yeah. five meters, and I had all the time in the world, like I'm much uh, more likely to fluff it up. <laughs> I know. I honestly can totally relate. And in all honesty, the the goals I've scored, or even the best goals I've scored, I don't really remember being there. Yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah. It's like I wasn't. I wasn't there. I was. You have to the get rid of ball. your ego for it to just happen, right? Yeah, and it sounds really like mystical. But it's the truest thing ever. Like the best when I'm best in football is when when I'm. It, it's automatic. Yeah. And yeah. Um, for absolutely for sure, I've had times where I've just missed absolute sitters. Yeah. Because I've just been overthinking it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess um, so this uh, autotelic self that um, what what he's saying is like. If you have these three elements of setting goals, being immersed in activity, and paying very close attention to what's happening, yeah, that transforms an experience into flow. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe you've said that at the start, but it makes sense. <laughs> Tra- transforms your experience into flow, and I think that's really true. And something I want to talk about um, in regards to being immersed in an activity is um, where it's happening. So for me, I've been thinking a bit about how I've been in Melbourne for quite a number of years now, and um, I find I get into really good flow states when I go and visit my friend in Sydney. Yeah, and I go down to the, you know I'm either down at the beach or um, you know we're kind of wandering around a new part of town or think about you know the con- even just the weather conditions as well. It, it just and you know linking a bit back to what you're saying about, you know, certain cultures and certain setups of societies enable flow a lot more. I feel like sometimes you're being in the same place and um, living within the inner city um, can reduce my flow a little bit. Whereas when I'm in a more expansive area, maybe the weather's better, I'm nearer the beach. I guess I feel a bit more sense of calm to it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to describe, but I think I experience flow better when I'm in more favourable weather and environmental conditions. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you thought about or whether it's related or not. 
But it sounds like you talked about two points. One is like the conditions themselves and one is just the novelty of it. Um, so sometimes just being somewhere new, like you go to a new culture and it's like, it's quite a mindful experience because you're just sort of taking everything in and it feels mm. all a bit different. And it's, yeah. it's harder to be worrying about things when it's like you can't read the writing of the signs and there are different smells and um, mm. people look different and you know the, the pavements are paved in different ways and <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah and then maybe after a few weeks in that place you go back to how you were at home where you're just sort of thinking about what's wrong with you and that sort of thing um so, <laughs> yeah. so there's something yeah. about that's one no- part of it yeah the novelty but then there's yeah the cultural relativist argument as well which actually maybe some places are just better full stop for inducing flow and yeah maybe the i I definitely relate to when it's sunnier and um perhaps in more of countryside or beach or more like Mm. natural environments are probably more flow inducing yeah yeah the um yeah, there's, there's definitely something strong in that. I think I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that now around, you know, thinking about where, where it is I want to live in the future, yeah, in, yeah, particular yeah. Into, um, in particular into leisure and lifestyle, you know, what I do in my free time. Because here in Melbourne, like a lot of the free time is spent going to cafes and going out for dinners and it's like incredible. There's obviously loads of other things to do, like, you know, music gigs. That's another one I experienced flowing when I'm at a music concert just as a side note. Yeah, um, yeah. But like b- being somewhere where not just my work, so I, I trust the work I do induces a flow state for me, like yeah. quite regularly um, doing you know, the social work with different groups of people because there's a constant new challenge and there's constant new clients and people to work with. It keeps me on my toes. But in regards to my leisure, I guess I'm just thinking I'm going to be paying a bit more attention to what, what really helps me um, yeah, find flow and escape and ch- you know, new challenging things. Like, is that is that best to be doing where I am at the moment, or could I maybe achieve flow somewhere somewhere else? He talks about the um, the like radical amount of choice we do have, and that makes it hard mm-hmm. to commit to anything in particular. Whereas yeah, he argued yeah. that potentially, you know, societies where you grew up and that you just knew you were never going to leave that village. And you knew there was only like four to six jobs you were ever going to do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right, and yeah. like, if your dad's the blacksmith, like it's almost, you just know you're going to live in that village forever. You're going to marry <laughs> like one to six of the girls your age that are around and you're going to be a blacksmith. There's almost like yeah. a certain comfort in committing to all that and really like going for it. Whereas when like yeah, nowadays yeah. we have this choice, we can live wherever we want. We can, turn over our social circles all the time if we Mm. fuck them up (laughs) and um you can do anything you can change your career three four five times it's it's almost an overwhelm of choice so there's this it's it's like we have more existential responsibility to decide Mm. what we're gonna do because the options are just too vast and it becomes harder to immerse yourself in in, yeah you know a, a, a smaller number of particular things like yeah it's you know, another thing for your ego to pick up on like when you're yeah. you know hammering the sword or something and it's like oh sh- 
should I be like a software engineer? Like there's just, should I be in this environment or should I live somewhere else? Should I really be with this woman or should I marry some, like you can constantly doubt yourself when you have all that choice. Hmm. And the way he says to um, challenge, you know, in a conflict is one by reflecting on what it is you want in your, you know, your goals and valued activities. And the other side of it is um, taking action. I know that it seemed like two very simple things, reflection and action. <laughs> he he emphasised, you know, in, in a time where there's a lot of choices to be made and it's hard to know what you want to do and there's endless amount of choices, um, simply taking action yeah. is a step towards working out what you do and don't want to do. And I think that's something um, me and you would have done, you know, in particular with um, <clears throat> moving to different countries at times in our life and picking certain careers, you know, just picking an action to work on helped you work out what are compatible goals with your your greater goal or yeah. what's incompatible yeah he was basically saying like if you're thinking too much not doing anything do something and if you're doing <laughs> stuff without thinking about it then think about it <laughs> yeah yeah nice nice i like that yeah i tried to like <laughs> it, it seems so simple but um yeah um, okay, so just the um, just go on to the final one of the autotelic self. So oh, these yeah. are three things that um, transforms experience into flow. The final one is paying attention to what's happening, and what he talks about here is um, you know, attention leads to concentration, and which leads to involvement. So um, guess what? This makes me think of is just paying very close attention to my experience, which has been a bit of a common theme of some of the other the last two books we've done mindfulness in it mindfulness in it yeah so <laughs> i don't know how much we need to explain that one and um yeah and what else uh ah and one final one actually there was a fourth um which is enjoying the immediate experience so allowing yourself to be immersed in the experience and this goes back to that um i think some of what we've talked about today goes back to this idea of the experiencing self and the remembering self we've talked about mm-hmm. before so like the experiencing self might be enjoying playing pairs or pokemon but then you kind of look back and like ah, it wasn't kind of would have rather have done something more in line with my values it's about getting balance but equally this book is probably more about the experiencing self and more about the trap you can fall into when you're constantly doing things for the future Mm. and not learning how to live like yeah that's really well put yeah definitely saying that there's a huge value in immersing yourself in the here and now yeah and if you're going to immerse yourself in something it might as well be towards something you value and is important to you because there'll be a point in time in which you look back and you know i, I look back on those times we've played i played football i've been really immersed at work like yeah. my remembering self is very content with that yeah yeah and my um uh my experiencing self was equally very intent so I suppose if yeah. you're going to immerse yourself in something, it might as well be something that you're going to look back at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he, he gave loads of nice examples in the book of people's lifestyles. And there's one that stood to mind where, where it's like this 75 year old woman in some village. And it was like, um, it's like, you could argue that she works all day or that she just doesn't work at all. Cause the way she mm. describes her life is like, well, I get up at five 30, I go milk the cows I go gather the hay bales. I usually take the longer route back home so I can take the beautiful coastal path. And then I, like in the evening, I usually um, 
play the flute or something for various uh, celebrations we have in the village if it's someone's birthday or not and it's like you, if she was in a more um like modern capitalist society it's like if she was sort of getting paid to milk cows gather hay and then like played in a band where they had a few gigs booked in the evening. Like you could see how they yeah. could build a lot of stress by like all these sort of social demands, but it, the way she experienced it mm. was just, was just what I, it's just how I love life. And they were like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And she's like, well, I'd get up and milk the cows. <laughs> I'd yeah, take my nice. walk and gather the hay and I'd uh, play music for my friends in the uh, evening. And uh, Yeah. I think this is, um, that's a bit what I was talking about um, in regards to, what I experience when I go to new places and yeah. I find a certain environment. So for me, um, I, I get into more flow states and my, my life seems a bit closer to whatever that woman's is, is when, you know, I can go to the beach after work or I can go for like a surf in the morning before yeah. I do, do my thing for the day. And I, I, I just question, um, this book made me question, you know, what, what is the nine to five lifestyle? doing for me and is that something i want or you know what is living in a in a city doing for me and what is um you know what sort of friendships do i want around me and what activities do i want to be doing in my free time and mm. what environment is conducive to those activities and uh, i suppose it asks a whole lot of bigger questions but i guess getting you to reflect on is the life you're living at the moment one that is conducive to a you know a a gentle, constant, enjoyable flow throughout your life? Like, are you presented yeah. with enough challenges? Are you able to transcend the self at moments throughout the day? Do you ever become so immersed that you're just swept away and time slows down and all these other elements of um, enjoyable experience that he talks about? I, I guess if the question is put to me as you know, a final reflection is, is my life containing enough of those elements? If if yes, keep doing those things. If no, how can I find more ways to um, induce more mm. flow experiences into my life? I liked what you said about um, the examples of like amateur scientists or amateur historians, amateur philosophers. Like, yeah, yeah, this, this guy <laughs> who like. And again, it's it's part of that commitment thing. If you grew up, if you knew where you're going to grow up was where you're going to be, then it might feel more of an incentive to learn about the history and the culture. And he talked about this guy who, you know, really dug into his local history and then would sort of seek out on walks, like little monuments to find. And to mm. someone, you know, you might walk past and just see a bit of rubble on the floor and just not give it a second thought. He'd be explaining, well, this was part of this building in 1642. And then this happened and he would like <sighs> enjoy the, yeah. the, the walks he would do because he would do them on purpose to go seek out things he'd been learning about in terms of the local history and this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like that. <laughs> I can't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's, uh, about it. yeah, it, I think it's a, a great book to get you thinking a bit about, um, yeah, not only maybe the career you're choosing or what you're doing in your free time, but, yeah, your general lifestyle and the bigger picture of things, like how do you want to be spending your life? Like what do you want to be putting your energies into? What, Where are you going to focus your attention? Yeah. Because um, like those two people's lives you just described sound really gentle and beautiful and satisfying. 
then there's other people who've got 101 <laughs> more things going on, but they're stressed out and, yeah, overthinking. <laughs> it reminds me of Peep Show. You know that episode where, um, is it the guy that does the Jack the Ripper tours or the local history yeah. tours? And Mark yeah, yeah. goes and has a chat with him. It's like, yeah, well, I go around, I uh, enjoy talking to people about history, I clock off at three and go to the pub for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I think of um, people who've got careers that just seem to just have a real nice flow to them. You know, like people who are just like a surf photographer. So they might do like three hours photographing in the morning and then they'll just like go and do a bit of writing, hang out at a cafe. And I, I, I know, I don't know what I'm leading on to here, but mainly just like to simplify. That's what I've been encouraged to do, like simplify in some ways as mm. well. Because he also talked about people who worked in factories and did the the same task every seven minutes for the last thirty years, but like it's about how you change your inner state to um, yeah. experience that flow. So you, you could have a job where you're a surf photographer, and you could be like really anxious about being there on time, and you could be doubting mm. yourself, and you like you, you could, um, although it's definitely helpful, I believe, to think about how to change your outer world to make it more inducive to your flow states. But it's also that's, your internal world yeah, as well. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, the most important thing is how to um, consider your inner life and how you can change everything you do internally for it to be a flow experience rather than like, oh, right, like thinking about the future all the time and self-doubt. And Yeah. What a book. It was great. Oh, it got me really excited. I feel, I feel, uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, um, always, always get a bit, I'm like reading through it, trying to pick up the bits of gold to bring to the podcast. But, yeah. um, often, uh, often we kind of latch onto the same thing and, um, yeah, it's really nice to talk about it and, um, yeah. reflect on it. Really enjoyable book. I'm uh, going to be lending that to, to a few people, I reckon. A great yeah. One. Yeah. Definitely gets you, uh, thinking about how to spend your life, doesn't it? All right. So next week we'll be doing, uh, we're switching it up a little bit. This is um, a book that you've read recently. Uh, it's called Sleep by uh, Nick Littlehales. And um, yeah, the, the myth of eight hours, the power naps, and the new plan to recharge your body and mind. I've read uh, 20 pages of this already, and I'm oh, yeah. absolutely loving it. I'm really I excited. Guess. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a really well-written book so far, and I think it's going to have some really interesting ideas for us to reflect on. Yeah, it's real practical as well. <laughs> it's like barely any. It's just like do this, do this, do this. Nice, nice. Yes, and I no. think it will go well. I think it will tie nicely, maybe with um, atomic habits, maybe just around like daily routines and yeah. structure and um, things like that. So um, yeah, we stepped out of our mini three-part series on mindfulness yeah. flow and uh you know the happiness trap as well yeah. but um yeah i'm sure we'll jump on something else but yeah really look forward to doing that one with you so um i guess we'll chat in a couple of weeks speak to you then awesome mate cheers yeah. mate <laughs> bye I guess reading the book had me feel a little sad that lots of my 
best and biggest flow experiences feel quite old, like mm. playing football matches every week, playing tennis, um, songwriting and playing gigs. Um, and even my learning feels differently. Like I used to go to these courses and I would be like reading philosophy for me. Like I had no, when I started doing that, I had no intention of um, thinking about like teaching people or turning it into a job or anything. I just like, I was just yeah. intrinsically motivated to be learning. And yeah, that, that kind of like, I don't know, between sort of 14 to 22 23 feels like oh that there was loads of flow in that <laughs> like there was sports yeah. there was music there was learning I there, was, really there was traveling that, yeah. there was like yeah. doing daring things and and i'm feeling more like i've got even though all this stuff i've learned about mindfulness and um diffusion and being in the here and now i'm actually on a day-to-day basis more lost in expectations of myself for the future than i am in like what i'm enjoying Mm. and um like i'm reading stuff thinking about like i was talking to you the other day how could i turn this into a course how could i like monetize this eventually like how how could other people get value from this in the future and so much so that like i'm i'm doing it less for myself and then procrastinating it more because of the expectations i've put myself yeah yeah it's like we do things less just for the simple enjoyment of it mm. there's always like a there always has to be a reason why we're doing everything <laughs> almost it can feel like yeah and whereas really, back then there was, there was no reason or whether the reason just wasn't evident to us maybe there was a reason we just didn't articulate it in our heads yeah it's just inherently meaningful in and of itself yeah. Um, rather than for some future ends. And yeah, reading about these, um, with a couple of examples I picked from the book about that woman and the guy like just doing a self-study history and like traveling to places on the weekend to go check out yeah. the stuff he's learned about. It's like, he's not doing that for anyone. Like there's no, he's not planning to make a job out of it or, uh-huh. and, um, yeah, it felt like I wanted to recapture that but because I've been, because what I've been most interested in, I've now turned into how I earn money. It feels like it's robbing me of something. Um, and I want the freedom of pursuing it again without feeling like I have to <laughs> do anything yeah. for anyone else. <laughs> hmm. Really nice reflection. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, yeah, that time period of like, yeah, particularly like, yeah, say like 14 to 24, like a lot of traveling, a lot of um, going to gigs and doing gigs ourselves and yeah, all that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. You know, like we road were doing, um, yeah, road trips. And even when we were like playing in that band, um, going around doing yeah. shows and that, we weren't, we knew we weren't making any money out of that. Yeah, yeah. At all. Like, but it was still just fun to do. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. They, rec- but, they yeah. say your um, they say your frontal cortex isn't fully myelinated till you're 25, and I wonder it's like if it's a natural part of development to be less in the moment when you kind of eclipse that. Mm. As in, you focus more on responsibility and things like. Well, you're more able. Like your frontal cortex is more about, um, like that will be where you can 
put yourself in future scenarios, think about the past and think yeah. more abstractly. Whereas, right. So it, it might just be more that once you pass a certain stage of development, your ability, like it's harder to be in the moment because of mm. you, in a sense, your brain's more sophisticated such that you can live in abstractions more easily. Very good point. That's quite haunting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but then, but you can obviously yeah. overcome it because, yeah, like we've read about the people in their seventies and eighties in the right environments, in, living mm. their life, like being very mindful in their activities and their societies and their families. We should move to Spain and buy a farm, <laughs> just hang out there. Yeah, I reckon that's the plan. <laughs> you don't have to record now if you don't want. <laughs> it's okay. um, yeah, now I've thought about. Like, I think that's kind of slightly what I was alluding to in my Sydney dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's just something about, like, I've just got this dreamy picture in my head about, like, just being able to surf in the morning and then go to work. Yeah. There's something about that or just being somewhere where I can just go to the beach after work or you know, I've got a group of friends who go do, like, an outdoor gym class or something. Or Yeah, and I'm just thinking, like, how that was the link I was trying to do, like how lifestyle can affect the opportunities for flow. Yeah. And I guess lifestyle includes like your hobbies, where you live, the weather, what you do with your spare yeah. time, like that sort of stuff. He even talked about tribes where like the grandparents might be reporting way more flow, but the grandkids who are now in their twenties were talking about like, Oh, that's it. He talked about, um, cause he would measure people's experiences of flow, wouldn't he? By like linking them up to some device and having them check it eight times a day. Yeah. And, right. Um, yeah. It's like people would experience more enjoyment at work <clears throat> than they would in their leisure time uh, fr from their own yeah. subjective yeah, measurements. Yeah. But mm. then when asked what you would have more of, they said they wanted more leisure time. So it's like they wanted, and they were just, you know, a lot of them were just spending it watching TV. And each time they were asked, they were sort of apathetic, bored, a bit anxious. Yeah. And it's like when they would, when they would check the device at work, they would usually say they were sort of focused, engaged, like buzzing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, more so than, yeah, yeah. And it's home. like, but then when asked after the fact, what do you want? They're like, oh, I wish I didn't have to work so much and I could just have my leisure time. But it's like, but your experience is telling you something different. Hmm. What is that? Is it basically people that people, I don't know that they're dying for free time, but they just don't know what to do with it. They know no, what, what he's saying is that like, we need our leisure time to be also be structured as well. Yeah. Well, he was, he guessed that it was about the social constructs around work being bad. Like we just have this, there's this idea yeah. that we just work for money and that we'd rather not do it. And mm. even the people who do enjoy it kind of still get sucked into that mentality of, oh, I wish I wasn't doing this when they actually do like it. <laughs> yeah. It does make me think a bit about, um, yeah, wanting to have like what you do with your leisure time is just as valuable as what you do with your work time. And I suppose that's, it's kind of not, not luck at all, but you know, if, if you land in a job that gives you like enjoyment and it's a challenge and it's low state, like that's where you're going to spend a lot of your life. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you want it such that, I, I've thought this before, you want it such that if the economy fucked up and all your savings were just wiped, you mm. wouldn't have regretted doing what you're doing. Like if you're just doing something you hated just to yes. save for something, like how catastrophic would it be if like that was just taken from you? So I spent eight Dude. hours a day for 10 years oh. doing something I hated and like, you know, inflation's gone up and it's all wiped out. <laughs> but then, then I guess if you... Um, if you had the bigger goal and that was just one small goal of a bigger part of your life, like you had a goal to provide and be a good father to your family. Like that was your ultimate um, goal that encapsulated everything. Yeah. Like work could just feel like a small part of that. Yeah. But I guess just in, in general, because of the amount of time it takes up and the priority it often takes in people's lives, it can, uh, Yeah. I mean, some people might not see it as a waste of time. Even if it was boring, they're like, well, it meant I had money to go on trips with my kids and send them through school and feed them. Yeah. But like if you were saving most of it <laughs> and it got wiped yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I jumped away from your example a bit. But yeah. Yeah, cool. What a book. Loved it. Yeah. It's quite sad, isn't it? When you think like... I know he oh, sort of made I was it feeling bit, sad when it, yeah. He made it a bit, he even said, you know, some of these examples are idealistic and there are plenty of tribal cultures who are anxious and don't have any flow. But like, it does feel like we're getting quite technologically advanced and sophisticated in many ways. And it's just not helping people's general happiness and sense of well-being. And it's making it more difficult. Well, distraction as yeah. well like sim simply yeah just like oh the amount of people you know you see them in the park and they're like taking their dog for a walk or their kid for a walk and the moment like they're looking cute they'll take a photo straight away yeah, or yeah. whatever it's like they're just not there they're not in flow so we're just oh, i saw a woman the other day breastfeeding and just like texting whilst the baby was just oh. sucking away <laughs> Like there's like that's the the maternal connection between a mother and her child. And she's just she's just spitting in Mother Nature's face. She's I'm like, finding it. <laughs> I'm finding it hard to make the harder to make the case as well. Like I basically see phones as like poison. Yeah, you've always been a bit off, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm work. It's something I'm working on hard because I, I agree with you, but I feel like I'm, um, like I'm drawn to use them by various pressures. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. The pressure to be connected and social, and because they also match up with my goals. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you I'd know. like to. I guess that's where environments do matter like i want to put myself more in an environment such that all my social needs are met therefore it's not as big as a deal to have to use the phone to connect to people connect to people yeah yeah live in a commune that's it let's move to spain and live in a commune i will if you will sure what we're going to do is set up a little like social work slash psychotherapy or just not <laughs> just get nah. some cows or something yeah get to sleep at two o'clock every day <laughs> <laughs> milk the cows go to bed <laughs>